0: You're listening to 89.5 FM KOPN Columbia, Mid-Missouri's source for in-depth news, diverse talk and music of the world. It's not just radio, it's community radio on the web at kopn.org. And this is Speaking of the Arts. morning and welcome to Speaking of the Arts on KOPN, an hour of news, views and interviews on the arts in mid-Missouri. My name is Diana Moxham. There is such a bounty of arts events in mid-Missouri. World-class festivals, beautifully crafted theatre productions, homegrown musicians who often stand on global stages, visual artists whose work is exhibited around the country, guest appearances by authors, filmmakers, artists and musicians who all enrich our lives with their own stories. And let's remember, too, the richness of talent which is behind the scenes. Costume and set designers, programmers, tech support teams, Sound engineers, vocal coaches, and the myriad of volunteers who are the force behind almost every arts event we go to. Trying to do it all is overwhelming and, frankly, totally impossible, though there are some who try, she said, looking at Monica. So today I thought we'd spend the show reminiscing about 2019's veritable cornucopia of arts happenings and I invited along a few friends to help make that happen though I doubt whether even between all of us we went to but a fraction of all the concerts, exhibits and shows that have taken place over the last 12 months. But joining me in an attempt to recall at least some of the highlights are the Missouri Symphony Orchestra's Director of Development and well-known star of the local stage, Monica Palmer. (laughs) The extremely well-spoken director of the Unbound Book Festival, award-winning author, and owner of Skylock Bookshop, Alex George. They're no longer quite brand new, but still shiny. Executive director of the Columbia Art League and artist Kelsey Hammonds. <laughs> And the director of the Roots and Blues Festival and contemporary music historian, Tracy Lane. Plus, later in the show, the new ragtag cinema director and former Citizen Jane Film Festival director, Barbie Banks, will be dropping in to snuggle up with us next to the Speaking of the Arts studio fireplace. So go easy on that pot of cocoa and those chestnuts, everybody. Save some for Barbie. And later in the show, we will also be playing the brand new single by one of our favourite songstresses, Audra Sergal. Hello, everybody.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: <laughs> are we all sitting comfortably?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Are, yes. are,
0: are our cocoa mugs fully charged? Uh, it says no food and drinks in the studio. <laughs> oh,
1: wow.
0: Well, this is the speaking of the art studio, oh, where okay. <laughs> you know we've moved. We've moved to the KOPN a fireplace it's and like theater of the mind. It's the studio of the mind. Studio of the mind. <laughs> We're all sitting here smuggled up with our PJs and big woolly socks on, and we've got. Cups of cocoa and the chestnuts are crackling on the fire. You just can't hear them. I'll put that in later on the post. (laughs) So I gave you all a little heads up and I asked you to think about those events which stood out for you. And given that we all go to a lot of events, I know that's a tall order. Monica let's start with you as your (laughs) arts attending statistics are pretty impressive you either participated in or saw 65 the number
1: was wrong um, because I I didn't put all of the things that I saw all of the theatrical productions that I saw on my calendar and I was going based on my calendar Uh, then I started talking with some friends and then I was like oh that was in 2019 so it's actually 78 78 (laughs) 78 theatrical productions that does not count like cabarets where it's you know a musical kind of thing these are Strictly, and it doesn't count improv, it's only uh, staged productions or um, uh, readers' theater type thing like Guerrilla Theater uh, at Talking Horse. So it's only those kinds of things. So we're probably yeah. rounding out at about 100 then if we include all the other bits and pieces. Probably the, the mm-hmm. improv. Yep. Yep. What Good do job, I Monica. Do with my so I'm not <laughs> quite up to Bill Clark's level, but I'm getting there. If I took in more high school theater, I think I'd be at Bill Clark's I'm level. I'm giving Monica
2: my different. cup of cocoa it. <laughs>
1: I know, right? <laughs> Extra peppermint candy. <laughs> and some of them I saw more than once, so there's there's that too. I saw Fully Committed at the Lyceum twice because it of does. you. Thank it you. It was fantastic. And then I saw uh, Mama Mia at Stevens twice. So. Yes. And then I saw Mama Mia at uh, uh, Capital City Productions a few times because I was in it. Well, so. now are you counting each that? of
0: those single times? as one as a, as a number on your list of... Yes. Okay, yes. so if you so were in a production... Kind of just one
1: time. So. ...15 times, you mm-hmm. count it 15 times. No, no, I just counted one oh. time. Yeah, no, okay. that, that show counts as one entry. So even if I saw it more than once, it's only counting as one entry on that 78. <laughs> so... Yeah, so. so then, so give us some of your highlights. Um, okay, so there were, there were there was a lot of great theater um, in, in Colombia, and of course I'm biased. See, that's the thing is I would make a horrible critic because most of these shows that I saw, I saw because there were people in them that I absolutely adore. And one of my favorite things about theater, especially community theater or collo- uh, collegiate theater, is uh, seeing people grow as actors and human beings and seeing like, you know, and kind of like having the backstory of knowing like what they've been going through in their life or whatever and then seeing that like depth come out on stage that's a really cool thing for me to see so I got to see that a lot this year uh, on local stages and I got to be a part of an amazing production too I'll talk about in a little bit I'm gonna save that Um, but uh, so I got to direct White People which Mm. is a script by JT Rogers that started off 2019 in January at Talking Horse Productions and it was a wonderful script and it it just like it was a hard script the first time I read it I just pushed it away and I said this is not for musical theater fun and happy Monica this is not something that I want like to, to have to to do but the more it kept niggling and sitting in my brain and making me question my own biases and things that were like deep deep down inside of me from my you know uh rural uh missouri childhood and and things and i started to unpack it myself and i thought you know what I wanna help other people unpack this too in a theatrical setting and at Talking Horse. And so that was an amazing production and I had a great cast um, in uh, uh, Kirsten Bellman, Adam Britsky and Don Otto. They were fantastic to work with. Uh, Talking Horse also did some amazing things. I I really loved uh, Dancing Lessons. Uh, Melissa Alper Springer directed that, uh, Jason Cavallone and Laura Liebhart. It was a two person play. It was really, really well done. And I think it really showcases what Talking Horse does well, um, which is bringing these pieces that are thought pieces, you know, putting them on a on a stage and really making the audience do most of the the work of, you know, the the set and the, all of the things. It's like it's really putting you more into the story and the, the relationships between the people and all of that. So that's that's what I I loved there. And also guerrilla theater, I mentioned that earlier. Meg Phillips Crespi has um, really uh, highlighted this. Lack of women's voices and women's roles in in theater. and um, and so she's taken things from mostly public domain and reworked them. and then all women casts performed the shows. And the ones that I saw this year, they were um, see I saw Taming of the Shrew which was a really cool one to see done by an all female cast Lysistrata which also fun to see the women come out with the prosthetic you know (laughs) (laughs) that was fun and uh, She Stoops to Conquer I was in that one and then the one acts were fantastic as well so that was just some cool cool stuff that happened locally Um, and then like a lot of really neat short stuff too that's done by local um, authors here in Columbia like the, the Living Room One Acts Greenhouse Theater Productions did that that was such a neat way to experience theater and leave it to greenhouse House, you know to bring theater to where you are you know to write to your living room so answering the question of how do we get people off their couches and out to <laughs> arts like happenings and Liz was like well we'll just take it to their living room and it was brilliant and it was so fun to sit on the floor in a room full of other folks and just enjoy some some theater um, and then short attention span theater they're doing it at scene one in Jefferson City and starting gate at Talking Horse some really cool stuff um, and then musicals locally I have to I have to give some shout here because locally I saw some really great musicals Um, and I'm considering locally a little bit broader because I drive everywhere (laughs) for theatre you know so um, even Canada yeah I I did uh, the Stratford Festival this year which that was 10 plays right there of my 78 that I saw in in uh, in Ontario Um, so uh, for musicals locally Hairspray was amazing Enola Ryan White this was her first show she directed and it was just—it was jam-packed, full of of joy and amazing talent. My friend David McSpadden was the perfect Wilbur. I mean, just—he it, it, was playing himself, I think, mostly. But it was just—it was the kind of musical that I love, and not just because I was sitting next to Diana and drinking the the stuff we smuggled in. But um, it was—it's it's, just—it's one of those musicals that just makes you feel that visceral just kind of you know joy and and you know you're thinking too but you're also just feeling really good it's a really feel-good musical Elf at Presser Auditorium in uh, Mexico Missouri was another one of those this year that really stood out to me but I mean there was just so much good theater I it's it's hard to to narrow it down and and to, to like pick your favorites it's kind of like saying you know Who's your favorite child, Gabe or Anna? You know, and, and they would they would kill me if I if I ever stated one of them over the other. So it's it's hard. There was there was a lot of really wonderful um, stuff, but I had, from my perspective, one of the most eye opening um, theatrical experiences of my life this year, and that was being involved in greenhouse theater productions um, uh, projects, uh, Hedda Gabler. And this was just it, it. I talk about Matt Tricano, the the director of Hedda Gabler, and he was brought in, um, and and he just just an amazing human being. But I, I talk about him, and I say that you know he unlocked doors to rooms in my brain I didn't even know were there. So it was a wonderful experience, and it really brought me back to what I love about theater, and it's not really the show. Um, I talked to to Jen um, Hasselsworth last night. She's a dramaturg and a local arts educator at the Atelier and she talked about process versus product and I think that's what that experience with Hedda Gabler was for me. It was about why we do art you know it's coming together and it's coming together in that experience that process that's where it is that's where the magic is happening and the audience gets to experience that too i think you know in the product but the real magic comes in the process and i think that applies across the board in all of the art forms that we're going to be talking about today and um and and i felt it so so greatly in this and i just felt so honored to be a part of that and i know a lot of people really enjoyed that production and um and being here too oh my God, i gotta mention that too that was also greenhouse but <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it is squirrel. impossible to. It's impossible. It down to five. Like, this is my list here. I've got my spreadsheet, you know, because I'm in development now, so I'm all spreadsheets and stuff. But, I mean, this is. There was so much wonderful theater and so many um, um, wonderful. Uh, magical things that that I saw this year and so I just I'm so grateful to all of the people who do it because for the most part like all of this community theater and collegiate theater oh I didn't even mention Pippin and Ragtime oh my god the collegiate theater was (laughs) freaking phenomenal this year I mean seriously if you're not checking out the college productions that are happening you are missing out on some of the best theater that's happening within you know a 50 mile radius of Columbia and I know because I've gone like beyond the 50 (laughs) miles so um, Monica goes far afield for theater yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. the farthest we've ever driven, well, Canada this year, but like as a family, we drove to uh, Denver, Colorado, and uh, for the, the they were doing the previews of the the Broadway or the. Frozen the Musical. And so we had to drive there. And and I had an event like the night. So we like drove there and back like in a (laughs) day. It was 19 hours. It was crazy. But yeah, no, um, but some really magical things happening locally. And so check it out because there's some really great theater that uh, is comparable to things that I've seen on stages in Chicago and in Washington, D.C. and in New York. So, you know, just get out off of your couch. Or stay there and Liz will come to you. <laughs> <laughs> OK,
0: Alex, what about you? What about uh, five things? And it doesn't have to be the world of books. It could be the world of books and beyond.
3: Well, I did. And, and I had a couple of things from the world of books on my list. But then the other things that I had were not. Um, the, the, the first thing that came to my mind thinking about it was a, a book-related thing. And it was uh, the keynote of this year's Unbound Book Festival, George Saunders, who came and spoke to Monica Farrell and just bewitched... Uh, all 1,100 people in the Missouri Theater, and he was so warm and kind and generous and and wise. And um, it really was um, a wonderful hour and a half. You know, in the in the build-up to those things, I'm I'm moving so quickly, uh, and my brain is buzzing in so many different ways that I sometimes sometimes it's not always the case that I actually get to stop uh, long enough to enjoy a thing. But um, he was really astonishing and it was interesting because you know he 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 was talking principally about his book Lincoln in the Bardo which is uh, if you haven't read it, it's actually not an especially easy book to talk about because it's it's weird. Um, but um, but but he did, and he read from it, and that that just watching him read because I was always asking how do you do that, uh, and he did a wonderful job of that, and the conversation that followed was was just tremendous. And as I say, he's so 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 warm and kind, and um, during the Q and A as well, that really came across as well, and and he was just so. So generous and thoughtful. Um, so, so that was absolutely one of the one of the highlights for me. Um, the other book highlight that I put on my list was um, uh, a few months ago. Emily Wilson came to Skylark Bookshop. She um, uh, is actually just won a, one of those Guggenheim Genius Awards, uh, and uh, she is the first female translator of the Odyssey. And um, she came. Uh, it was on a Saturday morning. And she gave this reading um of uh of her translation, and what was so great about it was it was complete with voices <laughs> uh, and she she sort of took on the voice of these various characters and uh, it was very striking and 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 really kind of amazing as well and uh, and again, a wonderful q and a after that and that's always the joy of these things you know with unbound and also with in the in the bookstore we always if we can uh make sure that there is Uh, Always an opportunity for audience interaction for people to ask questions, Um, and um, and and that's often the time where which is the most the most interesting and the most engaging, where real sort of uh, a lot of a lot of issues can can come to light. In fact, last night we just had an event uh, with Frank Bowman, who's a professor uh, in the law school. Um, He's just written a book, believe it or not, about impeachment. So my timing—I mean, I'm going to pretend I did it on purpose. It wasn't, but but and, and again and and the the Q and A after that was really was was part of the and you know we have such smart readers in this town uh, that the Q and As are always always very very stimulating and a lot of fun. So, and that's
0: high crimes and misdemeanors, yes,
3: it, the book title. It, yeah. That that's that's right. So those those are my two my two book related things, uh, and then on on the music front, um, and I, I guess full disclosure here, I'm on the board of the of the We Always Swing Jazz Series, um, but Bradford Marsalis came uh, and it was one of the most extraordinary gigs that I've ever been to and I've seen him multiple times before even in the Missouri Theatre but this one in particular was just astonishing and there was this wonderful moment um, about three or four songs in and, and they were playing pretty out um, it was it was not not easy listening let's put it that way and he stopped or the band stopped and he said so um do you want us to do something a bit more sort of normal or do you want us to keep going weird and the crowd as one went weird (laughs) which 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 was amazing and i was i was thrilled and it was and it was it was wonderful and then at the very end they played this beautiful song, which was written by Sidney Bechet, um, called Petite Fleur, A Little Flower. And it was just, oh, and it was very quiet. And that was a, sort of an old fashioned song. And it, but it was just a perfect way to end the evening. And so that really was just stunningly, stunningly good. And, you know, John Posis brings in this incredible world quality these these musicians all the time and i could just my whole list could just be the various gigs that i've seen uh the jazz series but but you know it that was wonderful and um there, there are more to come and he does it year after year after year which is just astonishing um then my other thing so um uh monica was talking about uh talking horse and uh, my daughter and I went to go and see Sweeney Todd that was this year right? that's yeah. last year. oh it's 2018 oh okay all right that's that okay case. Alex I
2: did a lot of that too I, I was talking with my daughter you. last night and she'd be mom that was 2018 yeah. like, oh, I was like, yeah, yeah.
3: okay well we're all getting old and time is moving more quickly apparently so I'll cross that off the list so well I think well, I'm pretty sure this one was 2019 which is uh, one of the highlights for me of true false this year was knocked down the house uh, which was this wonderful uh, and inspiring documentary by Alexandria, uh, not by but featuring among others Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and about her primary campaign uh, in Queens. And you know, obviously, by the time it had happened, everybody knew who she was. But when the the thing was being made, they didn't. Uh, and that was wonderful. It's you know every every year, true false. Um, there, there are one or two movies that I always say. Sort of, you you walk out of the out of the theater, sort of floating a little bit off the ground, and that was definitely one of those. And it was it was inspiring and people were weeping and and it was it was just fabulous and it's one of those things that you know for me sort of encapsulates one of the many wonderful things about true false and that 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 ability just to move people in that way so that was great um and then uh so i'm now thinking hard about uh, because i've got one so so trips uh, is is uh, on a more general level, and, and again, I have to make a disclaimer here because my daughter was in some of these, <laughs> these productions. But you know what Jill Womack does uh, at Trips is absolutely astonishing, uh, and um, I saw three performances this year: uh, Alice in Wonderland and Mary Poppins and Frozen, and they were all just staggeringly good and so much fun, and the the kids just love it. We have two trips. Kids in my house, and uh, they talk about little else uh, at the at the dinner table. Um, but it's it's just it's great, and uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for them. They learn a lot, not just about theatre. They learn a lot about a lot of things, and uh, yeah, it's it's great. So. We love trips, and uh, those all three of those were highlights for us.
0: You know, I have not had Jill Wilmack on the show, which is very you realistic of me, so Jill yeah. Wilmack, if you're listening, uh, come and talk to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> come on over. <laughs> right. I'll, just,
1: I'll tag on, because I've worked with Jill before, you know, with the, the they do the Theatre for Young Audiences uh, productions in the spring, and I got to be in the, the production of James and the Giant Peach, I think it was two years ago, and talk about process. Her process with kids is amazing because she's never talking down to the kids. She always treats them like professionals. She's always teaching without them knowing that they're being taught, Mm. which is an amazing thing when you work with children. And they're just having fun. I was having fun as an adult in the production too. Jill is just beyond expectation every time. She's Mm. wonderful to work with.
0: Okay, moving over to music, Tracy Lane. You are uh, so involved with the music scene here in <laughs> Columbia. Tell us—it
2: um, doesn't have to be music things, but give us some of your highlights of well, the last year. I try to think mostly about music things because I think that's sort of how my brain works. Although it is true, I have, uh, you know, ventured out into other uh, arts um, pr- promotions and production in in this city for a long time. And one of the things that I, you know, think about often. Why I live in Colombia. Why I'm sitting here today with all of you is collaboration is always the word that that really speaks to me when I think about what I do in this community, what all of us here do in this community, and um, I'm just so grateful for the collaborations that happen between for profits and non profits, um, the agencies that support those things, and also the you know the educational systems. This is just a community that has. I've, I'll be celebrating 30 years of living in Colombia. Um, in in a few days so uh, and and I'm really really proud of that you know that's over half of my life that I've spent here and invested most of that time promoting the arts and it feels really good to this has been a year of sort of um, it was interesting that you asked me to to think about looking back because I've actually spent the entire year looking back um, because I turned 50 this year I wanted to really think about you know what have I done with these past 30 years in this community and what do I want to do with my working life that's ahead of me and so I really I started this sort of very internal deep digging project on January 1st of and it was primarily thinking about the music that has impacted me throughout my life and how do I want to make Roots & Blues the best festival it can possibly be for our community and for the music community at large so uh, I've been doing some some deep uh, uh Thinking on that uh, on a weekly basis, forcing myself to. I remember uh, a lecture from Alex George back when I was at Orr Street Studios. And he talked, um, you know, uh, my plan in life was actually to be a writer, and then, you know, a lot of other things happened instead, which a lot of wonderful things that I'm very grateful for. But I remember uh, a lecture you gave at um, Orr Street back in gosh, 20, 2008 or nine. And you said that you get up at five o'clock every morning and mm-hmm. you write, whether you feel like it or not, mm-hmm. you write. And so I did that this year. Um, Good and you. you inspired me to do oh, that. Great. So it's great to be in the same room Yay. with you and, and be able to tell you that, you know, it took me 10, you know, a little over 10 years to get around to it, <laughs> right, but right. I did that this year. And with that, um, came, you know, I think it really inspired me to think about, a, promoting music in this community and really speaking to the whole community and how I can can do better and uh and I became a business owner this year so I'm also very excited to yeah that was a big development this year (laughs) yeah so shameless self-promotion there but uh it's it's very rewarding and it's I'm so happy to be among this this group of colleagues uh so thinking as I said I spent a lot of time thinking but it was interesting that some of the shows that I saw this year um were actually part of that personal history of looking back at 50 years of music and so the first one that came to mind was um marty stewart and his fabulous superlatives at the blue note that was one of the most stellar shows and i've seen i mean i've seen a lot of shows at the blue note i worked there 365 (laughs) days a year for five years so um there's a lot of shows in my history but that was definitely uh you know probably in the top 20 of best shows i've ever seen just superlative if you will i mean the <laughs> instrumentation the talent the passion the just the sheer joy of music and i brought my 78 year old uncle to the show and uh you know mike nolan was was so gracious and you know Made sure that my uncle had a chair, and we had uh, the you know uh, a night that we'll never forget. And I just I always love looking around the room at those shows. That was my favorite part of my years at the Blue Note, which to date myself was ninety to ninety-five. But um, my favorite part of my work in those years was to stand in that little doorway, you know, next to the stage that goes out, you know, between the backstage world and the front of house world, and look at the audience. And see their faces when the artist came out onto the stage, and so to be able to you know now in 2019 do that again on a on a a different scale you know at the Roots and Blues Festival this year, um, yeah it's still my favorite part of the job. And it felt really good to be able to bring artists from my, you know, from my past. There's some some classics, you know, I was really proud of uh, to be able to bring some real living legends to the stage, but also to bring some new artists. And so I have to say one of my favorite albums and one of my favorite performances of this year was Marin Morris, uh, Mm -hmm. to be able to bring her to Columbia at uh, just a few weeks after her album reached number one on the country charts, which is a feat for females Mm -hmm. in the country music industry. So... um, that was a that was a, a good moment um, for our community and again personally for me. Um, another one of my favorite shows. I try to think about different venues too. Right. So um, Rose Music Hall is one of those uh, those venues that I really love how. Pat K works so hard to develop local artists, and local artists are so important and so integral to everything that everybody does. Every concert promoter in this community, you know, uh, and I think that the Blue Note and Rose have a long history of really celebrating local music, and that's so important. And one of my favorite moments there this year was Byron Fest, which is uh, uh, Byron is a local amplifier uh, company. But everyone's nodding their head. Everyone in this room knows that. Probably everyone listening knows that too. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so they, uh, they do a benefit for the Compass Music Camp, which again is another remarkable local music organization. Phil Sean and Violet um, spearhead a camp for young people, young aspiring musicians and Byron Fest is a fundraiser for that event. And the, the just the caliber of local artistry that Day it was just one of those beautiful days at at Forest Rose Park too, and to be reminded of Forest Rose you know uh, who was a you know spent a lot of hours in this studio and uh, across the street over there at the Blue Note and um, to be in that park and to think of him and what he meant to our community and that his name continues to resonate with these young musicians it was a really powerful moment for me it was one of those most of you that know me know I'm a sap I cry all the time but <laughs> you know I cried at Byron Fest and then I was trying to explain to my daughter. This connection of forest and you know seeing Loose Loose and Violet and Molly Healy and the Bernie Sisters and just uh, it's just it's one of those reminders of why I love Columbia so much and again speaks to that idea of collaboration. And then um, another favorite Blue Note show that was Gary Clark Jr. That was just drop dead. I want to. I will confess. I stood in line like, like a, as if I were not fifty years old, so that I could be, so I could stand right in front of Gary Clark Jr. I was front and center. I stood in front of him for the entire show with my friend Mo, who used to work with me at the Blue Note back in in the '90s. And she and I had, uh, you know, it was like we were twenty again. It was it was so exciting. Except we weren't working. We were just watching the show. Which was even more exciting. Uh, again, the the caliber of artistry, and just and I love that the you know the new owners of the Blue Note. They're not really new anymore, but compared to the the long stretch of history with with Richard, um, they continue that tradition. The thing that I that I, I learned so much in my years there because. The Blue Note has always been a place for the whole community. You know, it's not a rock club. It's not a blues club. It's not a jazz club. It's not a punk club. It's all of those things. It is for this community. And they bring such an array of artistry and really um, have always, for almost 40 years now, 39 years now, have, you know, given... Art brought artists into this community, and again that col- that collaboration with the local artists making you know giving and those local artists are so important because they bring their fans to those shows and they mm. show up for everything and they show up for true false and they show up mm-hmm. for roots and blues and they show up you know they're everywhere they're such an integral part of our community so um, I love celebrating uh, the You know, I always like to give a little uh, shout out to the local artists and that that collaboration with the local promoters as well. And then, um, but my number one favorite show again. Sorry, shameless self promotion. What, gotta say it. Black Pumas, uh, that band. It was just a sort of a little um, blip on the radar. They were just they were you know they had a real following in Austin and were just starting to sort of um, bustle up on on the music scene and. they're an R&B band they play what I call the ultra groove to me there's this very specific type of R&B that like even if you've never heard that song before in your entire life you cannot help but move Mm -hmm. because it's got the ultra groove and the Black Pumas have the ultra groove and the first time I heard like I saw like a YouTube clip that someone sent me and I was like oh yeah we have to have them. We have to. And so, uh, and then just, again, just, uh, I stood on the stage with my daughter and watched the audience respond as they saw this band come out that really was not very well known in the community at the time. And the response was just overwhelming. People loved them. And that was, it was like that, it was like, you know, 30 years later, that moment of standing on the, on the, between the audience and the, and the, and the artists and watching the response. And it was magical. And to be able to do it with my daughter was great. Uh, and hey and now they're nominated for Best New Artist at at the Grammys so super excited about that Um, I wanted to mention a couple of musicals because you gave such a great but so there were because I also am a fan of musicals which is in that music (laughs) right music world Um, but I wanted to mention a couple that you didn't mention because you did mention a lot of really great ones but um near to the community. There was an incredible performance of um, Fun Home at the Fayette Community Theater at CMU uh, in the fall, and it was just Remarkable! What they do there is incredible. Um, I should say I'm biased. My cousin is a part of CMU, and, and, and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of bias is But and, it was incredible. Uh, it, was, it was fun, really beautiful.
1: Actually, on the slate for uh, this upcoming season of Talking Horse Productions. So if you didn't I miss that, that production, I'm so check that one yeah. out. <laughs>
2: yeah, and then uh, but, nine to five at Arrow Rock Lyceum Theater. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. Brought down the house. Unbelievable, and The Whiz at Reins- Reinsberger
1: That was yeah. on my three, okay. the, the things I'm kicking myself <laughs> about, stuff I missed, was Boy at Talking Horse, The Wiz at MU, and Cat on a Hot Roof at Stevens. Those were uh-huh. like the ones that I was really sad that I missed out. You can't out. see it all. Oh, and I didn't mention Daddy Longlegs, which was probably the best musical that I <laughs> that saw this good. year at Talking mm-hmm. Horse. It was just two people. Well, let's have a little,
0: I uh, have got Kelsey and Barbie to get to yet, Yay. but let's have a little musical break, because I know that Audra Sergal is listening to us live on uh, online in kentucky where she is with her mom Hi, audra. so hello audra <laughs> and um this is audra's new single it is called this life um and it just came out a couple of weeks ago and uh here we go this life by audra circle
4: Joy in the surprise
0: And that was the exquisitely beautiful song This Life by Audra Sergal and that bit at the end, we don't know where that came from that isn't part
1: of the song It was amazing, <laughs> Like the, the studio was so quiet through the whole song, we all just <laughs> hung on every word, none of us talked at all We all <laughs> sipped our cocoa That's right. and looked mm-hmm. long looked in, at me in each fire. other's eyes <laughs> and the fire well,
0: That what? is true but... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Audra in Kentucky for always being so beautiful and wonderful and doing so much for the community in terms of the music and the arts you are such a valuable part of our community and we all love you we do we actually
1: do yes. she sounds sarcastic but it's the truth
0: <laughs> uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't my sarcastic voice oh, at all no. <laughs> i think you of all people have heard my sarcastic voice monica and that was not it it's true. okay moving on kelsey hammond um new director of the columbia art league almost new i mean it still year. new yeah so it give me year. a year
5: yeah, yeah. yeah. still yeah. Shiny. shiny for still sure.
0: Shiny. sure um tell us what some of your highlights of the year have been well, obviously, getting to
5: work at the Columbia Art League is like probably my number one. And shamelessly, I'll just say that. It's pretty its pretty awesome. I feel pretty excited You're it. welcome. Yes, exactly. And I wear this tiara every day that was once worn by Diana Boxen. So it's pretty exciting. <laughs> um, I think that like what Tracy was saying about the collaboration that happens mm-hmm. between um, not just in terms of um, maybe... Like different theater houses, or you know, actors who are going between different plays, or whatever. But then the different actual arts that are collaborating in different situations. So, this year at Roots and Blues, um, the Columbia Art League had like a this cool woven tent that we were making and encouraging people to come and like sit down and hang out on our rug underneath this thing. And when it wasn't raining, and like you know, finger weave, Hmm. and you know, it was just kind of this fun sort of. Weird but awesome collaborative artwork that we did, you know, and it's that kind of stuff is sort of um feels sort of I don't know, just in the moment, you know, and that that kind of stuff happens, and it certainly happens with True False and all the stuff that goes ar- along there with art exhibits that pop up in different spaces, and so one of the other things was in um at the Columbia Art League in a space that we don't normally have. Um, cordoned off for just one art experience was a uh, this film audio experience called dessert disaster that was um like film of desserts like a piece of cake being cut into with a fork very <laughs> slow motion and close up like yum like it was so sort of strange you know like just and then like and then another video of like um you know a building falling down and it being like
4: ooh
5: you know like there's like funny sounds that just would go with either one you know like oh what's happening now buzz oh you know all these different things so that kind of you know event happening in that space is really cool and having that connection is is awesome so i think that that's one of the, my biggest highlights every year is to see how people or businesses or whomever get involved in whatever the arts thing is that's going on so that's pretty cool um so another thing that I've noticed, which again is about collaboration, are the murals that are going up around town, mm-hmm. which have been sort of slowly, I feel like coming in over the, the last couple of years. But this year, especially, I feel like resident arts, especially just so many amazing murals that have been going on, mm-hmm. on the Katy Trail, and then the butterflies that are in Alley A, which if you haven't. I mean, most people I think right now have seen them. <laughs> if you've come downtown, you've probably have seen them. Yeah. Um, but that kind of public artwork where anybody and everybody can experience that. Um, Resident Arts works with, worked with the Children's Grove to put those in the alley. And you know, people are taking their pictures in front of it all the time. It's all over social media. Well, we who may have seen it a ton or like kind of have to say, I need to get through when people are taking their picture. um, Those of us that use the alley often, probably. um, There's something so great about thinking that Columbia could be on that same level of Austin, Texas, where Mm -hmm. I think everybody has seen the I love you so much, like spray paint that's on the wall in some kind of picture that's in Austin that is the thing now that people go to Austin they're like I've got to find that I love you so much Mm. wall so I can get my picture taken there so this is kind of like I don't know it just kind of infuses the town with this idea of like oh I've got to find these cool things Mm -hmm. and if you're coming in for a football game or for a festival or something now there's a little bit more of a let me see where this is and Mm -hmm. so I think it's kind of getting people off the main drag a little bit and kind of finding these little hidey holes um and I was talking to a group of people the other day about how there's so much art buried in Columbia in the downtown area that you kind of don't realize. And then you're like, wait, is that a little, is that mouse furniture? Are those furniture yes. pieces outside of the Broadway brewery in the alley? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, I wonder if a lamp will get added soon. You know, they're sort of like, what will be added next? Are they going to Ikea sometime soon? I don't know. So there's sort of that, like unexpected moment, or there's like a frame that doesn't actually frame anything mm-hmm. on Cherry, I think, and Cherry shoot between ninth and 10th, and you sort of go, is that framing a just like a sign holder? All right, cool. I think that might be art. <laughs> I don't know if it is, but it <laughs> might be. So I think that that kind of unexpected experience is really cool. Yeah. Um, so just those kind of moments I think about for this, this year. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about are the maker pop-ups that have happened this year. This year, more than ever, I feel like... Does everyone know what I mean by make or pop up? Mm-hmm. So, Even explain you make, it for radio people. Yeah, for radio people. Not the cool people in this room. <laughs> um, <laughs> radio people, you're still cool. Um, <laughs> if you are someone who sews pillows, if you are someone who knits hats, if you do some kind of thing with your hands, could be painting, but usually it's more of a craft or something that you are spending your time developing, your skill level at this thing. Um, you get a table. You put your stuff on the table. You sell people a functional object or something that they can give as a gift or they can take home for themselves. So a lot of the, um, the stuff that the 8th Street Maker group was doing over the last couple of years of trying to start these little pop-ups in unexpected places where people could buy and have access to art that wouldn't necessarily be in a gallery setting where some people feel a little bit like, can I go in there? Is that okay? I'm not going to be able to afford anything. Um, that spirit, the Berlin Bazaar Broads who are making that happen for in that space as well. That's really been carried on with a bunch of different places and people. So, this year in particular, for the holidays, there have been so many that I could not get to them all, <laughs> um, which was amazing. So, one to one print shop had some. There's one at um, the Maker Loop. They have they had their on the business, on lo- the business loop. Yeah. Yep. Um, there was one at Gunther Hans. There's all sorts of places that are having these little like craft markets that kind of pop up for the holidays. And it's just a nice, it's really nice to see how creative Columbia is and does all of these different kinds of things. So it's not just the galleries and the places that we all know and love and go to, but also that there are tons and tons of makers in this town who are not necessarily putting their work in these expected places. So again, that sort of surprise place. Um, Mm. And that kind of goes into the Etsy, which, if you don't know Etsy, everybody should go to Etsy.com um, and buy some maker um,
0: wares. Only if they're not available at the Columbia Art League. Of course, right. of course.
5: Well, Columbia <laughs> Art League and, and others. But yes, of course. But there's a there are so many makers that are involved in that. And so Etsy actually named Columbia one of the five maker cities. Wow. And wow. so they awarded the Loop um, $40,000 grant to help make that more of a maker space which is awesome yeah so that happened this year and it's like it's just one of those things as a person who's been involved in this kind of getting students involved in making work and talking to adult artists about keeping going and like you know you can do it and here's a way to price your work and all these things and i've been doing this for now for what almost 15 years it just feels like it's finally catching on you know like (laughs) we've been planting the seeds for so long so i'm really excited for them and i think that that's going to be open up the whole world and all the things so um my most favorite thing at the Columbia Art League was the Child Within show, which the artwork in that show was a little, like, very unexpected. It was sort of like, is that a dragon that's happening out here? Oh my my goodness. You know, we're like, um, an artist, Marilyn Cummins, who normally does these beautiful um, watercolors and she's a beautiful painter and then she made this, she'd never worked with, like, Sculpey Clay and she made this, like, dragon that came to life. It was so cool. It was so cool. And I think that that, That show was inspired by Locust Street artists, so elementary school artists, and then adult artists picked an artwork that they wanted to respond to. So it was like the interpretation show, but instead of having writing that artists responded to, they responded to children's artwork. And as we all know, the Locust Street students, you know, arts integrated into their everyday. So it it was just such a good opportunity for adults and children to work together. And then when the children saw what the adults did, their responses were amazing. Some of them were like, oh, I totally see it. (laughs) <laughs> and others and others were like <laughs> Um, I'm not sure they really saw my artwork. <laughs> so you've got to love the you know Beautiful. the awesomeness of children saying things. Mm. So that was great, and then just the reception where the children came to the and their families came, and then the artists got to meet them, and they were just tickled, and it was just such a great good feeling, you know. Mm. So I loved that experience, and I know the interpretation show is always successful, and so this one was kind of like turning on its head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I don't know, it was so much fun. So that kind of stuff where you can find delight. And it's not sort of like, your standard reception, okay, all right, see you guys later, kind of makes it feel like things are happening, you know, like that right. buzz is happening around, so.
0: Barbie, the world of film. Yes. Okay, tell us what some of your highlights have been, and they don't have to all be from the world of film, but Good, because I have free. a couple
6: that aren't. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number one thing that happened this year that I loved was the Your Next screening, which we did in the house where it was filmed. Um, Tracy was there, it was awesome. But uh, the idea of doing film, like, location specific screenings is something different than what we're used to. And as much as I love being in ragtag, we do, we are competing now with like watching a movie on your phone. And so we have to kind of eventize the stuff, but it was just really special. The filmmaker was there. She said it was like coming back to an old friend. Cause it was like everything happened in that house and relationships were built. Some were destroyed, you know, what happens <laughs> on a film set. And so, um, that was just really, an, a really fun event to go to. Um, just recently, we partnered with a local uh, organization called the Carter Center, and they work on um, promoting um, African-American history and K-12 through education. And we showed Harriet with them and um, did a talk back And we do this all the time. We have a panel. It's great. It's fun. But this one was like, there was something really special about it. If you were in that room, it just felt like... Um, a group of people was finally seeing a story on a screen that they have been wanting to see and for whatever reason hadn't been made and it's not a perfect film but it was perfect to everyone in that room and it was just a, I feel like if you were in that room you're like connected forever with each other and mm-hmm. and I love the panels not to knock into the other ones but this one was just and probably the moderator um, was she just did a really good job of letting the people who the film is for take control of the room um, which I think is important in, in art that isn't made by, you know, people who always make art, so mm-hmm. it was cool. Um, the other thing I continue to think about the costumes and Pippin at Stevens oh, College. Yes. Oh my god! Amazing. amazing. It was. I mean, Pippin's a pretty weird <laughs> play, but it was oh my gosh I just like look through the pictures I'm friends with the um, the designer on Facebook or, or on Instagram and the stuff he does is just amazing and the whole production was great but there's something about those costumes that really they were made, incredible yeah it was like a whole nother piece of art up yep. there on stage and so um, if you didn't see it I saw it know. twice. I know. It was just phenomenal. And
0: I would have seen it three times, but I. Yeah,
6: did. yeah. And it was sold out. Which normally with Pippin, people are like, yeah, I saw that. That's it. You know, like, it's a little strange. Nobody really knows what it's about exactly. So um, that was amazing. <laughs> um, and then. Something that happened during True False was we had this screening of a film that's on Comedy Central called Nathan for You. It's mm. like a satire piece. that's really funny. But Chris Bachman, who's the programmer for True False, got to uh, do a Q&A with the filmmaker, um, Nathan Fieldman. And they... It was, uh, this is why I like uh, the festivals that we have. Like, Chris got to meet somebody who he admires, and they were on stage, and you could just see it in both their faces. They were like excited to be <laughs> meet, talking with each other. And I'm just so thankful that we have those opportunities for all types of art in our town where you can, and you know, Chris is connected to the festival, but anybody could have interacted with Nathan that weekend, and it was just really cool. The funniest thing was that. Chris, when he gets anxious about something, he like leans in and Nathan leans back and so it was like this weird like back bendy thing happening. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then my final piece of art that I was just so inspired by is um We this was a private thing we did at Ragtag, but we had the Beulah Ralph Elementary come and they got to draw on 16 millimeter film, which explaining what that was to them was the best part because they're like, (laughs) like even like like one hour photo that's just not a thing that they know about. So we're trying to explain what what the film is and they got to draw on it and then we like fed it through a, a projector and they got to watch their two second films on screen and it was just the greatest thing to watch them do that. And hopefully we have like future filmmakers who are gonna make movies on film come out of that yes. and it was yeah. great. Yeah. So and I just think anytime well our partner in education is Locust Street, but getting any of those elementary schools into experience art just makes me really happy. So yeah. I feel
0: good. like I go to a lot of things, but sitting here listening to all of you, I feel like I've been to nothing. This I know year. Like, what have I done with
1: my
4: ear?
1: I'm sitting yes. here thinking I'm really glad my kids went to Locust. Yes. Oh, we got Locust to too. Yeah.
4: Awesome.
1: So here's a question question for all of you
0: I love going to something that I don't think I'm going to like I think it's really good to push yourself and go to something that you're not expecting to like so what have you been to this year that was a little bit outside the box for you and you thought oh well it's kind of hit, hit and miss I might not like it but I'll go anyway and then you loved it or maybe not maybe you're like yeah I'm right I'm never gonna <laughs> <out there again." laughs> any thoughts anybody I know for me, and, th- and this is something that I started doing last year, I went to the Mizzou New Music Festival, and I'm not massively into... Mm. I find it kind of jangly and clangy. But, um, <laughs> but Jacob Gottlieb, who is their managing director, and I quote this often on this show, when he was on the show and I said, you know, I, I struggle with this, he said don't think of it as music, think of it as sound and that opened my ears mm-hmm. in a whole new way and and it was phenomenal and yeah, I don't particularly like all of the pieces of music that I hear by these composers but they all expand my brain in some way and it's been, it was such so wonderful again to go um, this year. Well while you're thinking about it, we will play that bit of music. So this actually is a piece of music from last year's Mizzou New Music uh, Festival International Composers Festival. It, they only released them a year later, it takes a while to get it all recorded. So, this is a piece of music by a composer called Viet Quang, and it's called Electric Aroma, a Most Disagreeable Noise. Mm. <laughs> That was just a part of uh, Viet Quang's composition called Electric Aroma, A Most Disagreeable Noise, which was at last year's Mizzou International Composers Festival. Well, as I stumped all my guests with thinking about what they um, had been to that they didn't expect to like, but did like, (laughs) I am going to move on because we are getting short of time. And I did want to just remember... Um, Some of the people we lost this year, we have all these amazing things that happen, but every year we lose people. And so in the world of theatre, we lost actress Maggie Henson. Maggie was a long-time member of the local community theatre family and was hilarious on stage at Talking Horse in 2018 in their production of the comedy Ripcord. She is missed by a lot of people. And also, I want to remember Betsy Phillips, who donated her behind-the-scenes talents to Columbia Entertainment Company for many years. She also ran the Jackie White National Playwriting Competition and was founder and president of the Theatre Society and she was the mum of the effervescently talented Meg so are, Phillips Crespi so those are Phillips so those are two people that I would like to remember from the world of theatre is there anybody from your worlds that we would like to remember Kelsey I know you said there was a local artist who died last year yeah George well, Berjonia. I think that's correct um, he passed the, away mm. and he
5: he made beautiful little uh, watercolors and um, just really there was a lot of joy in his work um, and subtle, quiet, quiet
0: paintings, which were really lovely. I remember George. So that yeah. is sad. Yeah, he was he was wonderful. Yeah. Anyone in the world of music? Tracy, you have some local? There are purple? a
2: couple. Um, uh, Donald Penny, who was a local. uh yeah, I was just going to say, everyone knows him as just Dino. <laughs> uh, but a local uh, folk and blues musician, storyteller, for sure. Remodious. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, um, Meryl of Lupus, was that official or unofficial? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I never knew if that was official or not. Uh, but a great storyteller, and uh, a loss to the local music uh, community and also uh, Kathy Barton Para, who was the mm. a co-founder of the Big Money Big Money Folk Festival in Boonville.
0: Right, right. Anyone in film?
2: No, not that I can think of. Well, I mean, good. You'll
6: see the in memorum <laughs> at the Oscars and that. that right,
0: kind
3: of <laughs> right. And we we did lose one a big loss this year in the world of letters, which was George Hodgman, mm-hmm. uh, yes. who was um, who came is, is widely known now. Came back from New York to uh, Paris, Missouri to look after his mother and wrote a wonderful memoir about it called Bettyville. And uh, we all loved George. I think everybody who ever came into contact with him loved him. Very sad that he's, he's left now. And uh, he was often in the shop and came to the festival and uh, he was just a wonderful presence and uh, extremely funny man. Yeah. Very Great biting, writer. Yeah. biting wit and a wonderful writer. <laughs> yeah. and he's, he's much missed.
0: Well, thank you all so much. Um, I don't want to end on a sad note. So, just give me quickly, in like in a couple of seconds, what are you most excited about coming up in the new year? Kelsey, what's the first exciting thing for you? Uh, the
5: food show, or this year it's called Taste. So, I cannot wait to see artworks made about food.
3: Alex? Uh, well, I'm already focused on the Unbound Book Festival rather, <laughs> predict- rather <laughs> predictably. So, I think I'd probably have to say that or I'll be out of a job.
0: And you have your headliner already confirmed, right?
3: Uh, yes, we do. And it's, it is. Uh, it's Tracy, Tracy K. Smith.
1: Tracy K. Smith. Okay, Monica. Um, I have to I have to say the 50th anniversary of Missouri Symphony. This is yeah. pretty exciting stuff. We're going to have an amazing hot summer nights. We have an amazing new executive director in Trent Rash. And uh, look for more theatricality in your symphony Excellent. soon. Mm-hmm. I like that.
6: Okay. I'm excited. It's opening on Christmas, but Little Women on 35 mm-hmm. at Ragtag. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to see a lot more um, film on 35 happening at the cinema. So it's going to be awesome.
0: Great. Bobby and Tracy.
2: Uh, I have to say the first thing coming up in the <laughs> new year is Tanya Tucker at the Blue Note yeah. which I'm super excited about. And um, let me just, annu- we announced two of our headliners for Roots and Blues this morning so Yay. if I may share. For it. Uh, Mavis Staples and Brandi Carlisle. So wow.
0: exciting. <laughs> awesome. Okay. I think you saved her for last. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to all of my guests today. Monica Palmer, Development Director for the Missouri Symphony Orchestra and Member of the Stable Boys Improv Troupe, Roots & Blues Festival Director, Tracy Lane, Unbound Festival Director and owner of Skylark Bookshop, Alex George, Ragtag Cinema Director, Barbie Banks, and Executive Director of the Columbia Art League, Kelsey Hammond. They will all be leading the arts to ever greater heights in 2020, and I hope will come back and chat to us on the show again in the new year. Thank you, everybody. Thank
4: Thank you. Thank you.